We acknowledge the Aboriginal people of Victoria, the First Nations, and offer respects to Elders, both past and present. Welcome to a new podcast series for carers by Kinship Carers Victoria. In mid-2018, Jenny Makarkos, the then State Minister for Children and Family Services, launched a new program of support for kinship carers. Central to this program was the employment of over 30 new kinship care specialist workers. Over the past few months, these kinship specialists have joined with KCV in speaking with carers around the state. The purpose of the new model and its connections to individual kinship carers has been canvassed thoroughly with the carers. This podcast features snapshots of discussions taken from one of the forums or seminars organised to enable carers to meet the new kinship specialists. On the 22nd of November, we visited Karingal Place Neighbourhood Centre for KCV's seminar, Kinship Care, Where To From Here? The seminar focused on the future of kinship care and new developments within the sector. The event was well attended by over 30 carers and served as a supportive space, like any carer group meeting, for discussion and the sharing of experiences between carers. We spoke with Sue Gale, information and advice worker with Ozchild's Kinship Care Program and main facilitator of these kinship carer groups. Sue spoke about Ozchild's role in the support of carers and how carers themselves are also developing and improving in this area. The groups have grown from initially we had two groups and the numbers have skyrocketed so now we run four groups across our catchment area and numbers continue to build by word of mouth carers bring other carers that they've met in childcare or school or other venues Um, and I find that carers over time it's certainly taken some time but the mutual support that they provide each other uh, the personal support the empathy uh, just the opportunity for carers to speak to other carers in similar situation to themselves to share knowledge to share skills A lot of carers do meet outside our support group meetings because our support groups only meet once a month. Um, But I find that a real community of carings developed and carers have found their voice. They're a lot stronger. They're more assertive in advocating for their own needs and the needs of the children in their care. Um, I can just see them going from strength to strength. They're contacting politicians. They're doing all sorts of things off their own bat and it's become a movement that is no longer led by us but more supported by us. There's no certificate and I don't have even an extract or anything for the older daughter who's the older granddaughter who's three years old. I've got nothing I've, and I've she's got the same a problem. I've got no birth I've got a child with no birth certificate. So there's, there okay. is a birth certificate registered for the three year old, but yeah, the baby shuts to you after have one. Um, my case has been closed, although it was, I was advised not to, but I was persuaded by DHS that they promised me they'd give me everything that they swore they would give me. Then when I after six months, I said, well, where is this money you said you were going to do? They said, oh, the case is closed. Oh, her, that's so true. She left. She left. Oh, and she left no paper trail. So all those things I was promised at the court case have not come through. Well, our experience is along the same lines as that. The same things happen to you too. 
Yeah, they, they closed our file, cut off our funding, and we went through every level of complaint, followed the procedure in the department's policies. We went to every level of department. Uh, they kept referring it back to the same people that dealt with it in the first place, and uh, we, we went to the Ombudsman, and it was resolved within a matter of months. Okay, good, I'll try yeah. that. <laughs> we spoke next with Kath and Chris about their experiences within their kinship carer support group. We've been with um, Kinship Care for three years since we got uh, our two little granddaughters. One is eight, the other's five. We were given the phone number for the Auschild uh, group early on and it was the very best thing we ever did was to get the phone number there and join the group. We've learnt so much just by word of mouth from other uh, people with experience going through DHHS and Kinship Care and with Auschild and it's just been invaluable. Yeah, we've uh, found the group very supportive and some of the training sessions that we've been to uh, have been a great help to us. Um, we've got a much better understanding now of uh, what happens to children when they go through uh, various types of trauma uh, that we perhaps wouldn't have uh, known before. We've got uh, better techniques in terms of uh, looking after and managing the, the, the children, especially uh, behavioural issues and learning difficulties. Uh, one of our children is at a special school now uh, and uh, she's getting some, uh, some extra help there. One thing that I think we've been disappointed about is that because we're now on a, a permanent care order, uh, in effect our file is closed with the, with the department and uh, they don't want to know us anymore. I know they've got a lot to do, but uh, nothing really changed for us. Uh, it was at about the two-year mark when, uh, when uh, we went on to an order and effectively our file was closed, but nothing changed with us. It's still day-to-day looking after two children and getting on with life. And... Uh, uh, and the support services that we've got access to are perhaps a bit limited because uh, we've done such a good job. Um, <laughs> but we are in a fortunate position that we do have other family members that help out and the children's dad is actively involved with the children and helps us quite a bit on the weekends and it's been good that uh, he's been able to do that and we actively encourage that. Uh, we've now got the children seeing their mother about every fortnight just for a contact visit. By right, she can only, she's entitled to four visits a year, but it's going to be a heck of a lot more than that, and we're actively supporting her in, uh, in that. And that's something else that's come through the group too. Not everybody has that. We're very lucky that um, we're in the position that we're in, uh, the financial support that we've still got. Uh, some of the stories that we hear from other kinship carers, they're not in as good a space as what we are, through no fault of their own at all. Uh, they're looking after children and they don't have the level of support around them. Some of them are very much on their own, particularly single grandmothers. Kath and I have each got each other for support. Uh, we can have respite that we work out ourselves. I can have a day off, she can have a day off. We still have a life that goes on outside of looking after these two young children. We spoke with another carer, Michelle, about her appreciation of the benefits of belonging to such a group. I was a kinship carer for about five years before I discovered that there was such a thing as help. I can remember quite vividly the state I was in when I finally googled help <laughs> for kinship carers. I didn't realise that there were groups. I didn't realise, I, I knew that there must be other people like me out there. I mean, of course, you hear about it in the news, but I, I didn't really um, realise that, that, that there was a formal group that I could actually attend. So... I googled it, I found some information, 
This was about 12 months ago. And even though most of the things had closed down for the year at the time, I just felt like there was some hope. And as soon as I could, the very first meeting earlier this year, I attended and I just felt a great sense of relief, realising that there were other people like me out there, that I wasn't alone. I've definitely received a lot of information. Um, Sue from Ozchild has been awesome. I could ring her, I could text her any time I liked. It didn't have to be during the meeting. Um, I met other kinship carers. They were able to put me onto other places and other resources. Um, I've just been come back from a camp with the boys that was not through Ozchild, but was through another kinship carer who helped me find out about this. I go to other coffee mornings now. Um, and, yeah, there's a real sense of camaraderie, I think, amongst all of us. We support each other, we help each other, we, um, yeah, we're there for each other, which is awesome. I think one of my biggest needs is actually respite care. I've got a six-year-old, a five-year-old and a two-year-old boy and I live on my own and I'm about to turn 60. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't get any time out at all. Um, two-year-old goes into crash a couple of times a week that's it that's just actually so that I can go to these meetings and do stuff like this. Sue from Auschild also explained how far the sector has grown and how the Department of Human Services has improved over the years in its provision of services and acknowledgement of carer support groups. Uh, a lot of carers coming into the system today feel they've got a lot of challenges ahead of them and yes they do however when I look back to how far the sector has grown and developed and the responsiveness of services, in particular Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Centrelink, some other government organisations, there has been a lot of growth and acknowledgement of the specific situation of being a kinship carer. So initially when I first started in this sector, if the department investigated a case and there was a kinship carer who was happy to care for the child, manage the contact with the family. The department would commonly take the view that the child was then safe and would close the case. And carers would just continue along, largely financing everything that this child needed. They might get some Centrelink payments, but many carers at that time were too scared to advise Centrelink that they were caring because often parents were receiving those payments and they didn't want to rock the boat with the parents and risk the children being returned to the parents' care. So they muddled along and they made the best of things. But over time now, the department's taking the view increasingly that if they've been involved with a child and asked a carer to take a child, then they would pay the carer a financial reimbursement, uh, whether that matter goes to court or otherwise. Um, there's a lot more empathy and understanding of the challenges carers face. Uh, the introduction of the what used to be the grandparent childcare benefit and is now the childcare subsidy. The introduction of the big pot of money for permanent carers, which is called the flexible funding, um, has been a fantastic support to 
children's needs that if a carer decides they will go to permanent care they might not anticipate that a child will need braces or extra tuition or uh, therapeutic assistance further down the track and now they can they don't have to shoulder those costs they can apply for flexible funding I think also the acknowledgement of the role of support groups, the introduction of the kinship care, initially the handbook and now the manual, the initiative of the Carer Wellbeing magazine put out by Kinship Carers Victoria. Um, Kinship carers have increasingly got the ear of government officials. There's now much more usage by carers of the Department of Health and Human Services complaints line. Uh, The Victorian Ombudsman has looked into the reimbursement issues around kinship care and more carers are advocating for their own rights and those of the children in their care. So it's there's still a long way to go but it's moving absolutely in the right direction and the changes over um, basically 10 years have been quite significant. Look out for the next podcast in this series to be published in early 2019. This podcast series is made possible through funding provided by the Victorian Government's Department of Health and Human Services.